Hello, everybody, and welcome to the TeacherCast Educational Network. My name is Jeff Bradbury. Thank you so much for joining us today and making TeacherCast your home for professional development. This is Ask the Tech Coach, episode number 39. It's our February Tech Coach Roundtable today. Today, we're going to be talking to two amazing tech coaches all about how they're bringing instructional technology into their classrooms. Topics tonight are including those pesky RFPs. What do you do when it's time to have a huge conference? How do you get your proposal accepted? What do tech coaches look for? Lots of great topics on the upcoming ISTE conference and a reflection on the FETC conference that just was. Other topics tonight, we're going to be talking about our favorite Chrome extension, something we've been talking about here lately on the show. And also, how do we keep professional development alive in our school district as the weather gets warmer or in one of our guests' case, as the weather gets even hotter, because he's, of course, from Texas. We'll talk about a little bit of that as we go through here. want to remind you guys, we've got some great things over here over on our Tech Coaches Network. You can, of course, go to askthetechcoach.com. Check out all of our great blogs, podcasts, and share this podcast with your friends. We love it when you guys share the podcast on our friends and... Um, you know, find us on Twitter. We are at Ask the Tech Coach. Leave us a voice message over at teachercast.net slash voicemail. And we love it when you reach out to us with your questions and email us at feedback at teachercast.net. Want to bring on our guest today. I want to bring on a returning co-host, Mr. Claudio Zavala Jr. Claudio, how are you today? Welcome back to the show. Hey, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Uh, and this hasn't gotten hot yet here in Texas. We still have some time. Oh, it's not uh, 90. Is it, so that means it's like only 95 degrees, right? No, actually, today it's in, it's in the high 30s, which is crazy. Wow. Um, yeah. Friday was 80 degrees, and then Saturday was 30-something. So um, we're supposed to get some rain tomorrow. We don't know if it'll freeze or not. But Tell uh, us a little bit about yourself, Claudia. Where, you, you hail from Texas. Uh, what do you do a little bit? So I'm an instructional tech coordinator. I work in a school district just outside of Dallas, Duncan Valley SD. So... My role there is to work with educators, helping them integrate technology into the classroom. Um, and so I do everything from creating content, doing um, online uh, videos for uh, on-demand kind of lessons. And uh, basically when anyone says, hey, I'm trying to figure out how I can do this in my class, I say, well, here's a great tool that you can use. So it's always about the instruction, not about the tech. Uh, so that's kind of the approach that I take with the teachers in my district. You know, I am so glad that you mentioned that one of the things that we had talked about last week on the episode was how to create these online learning modules. I'm looking to talk to you guys today just about this topic. But before we get into that, I want to bring on my next guest, Miss Susan Vincent. Susan, how are you today? Welcome to the show. I am very well. Very excited to be here. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I am from just south of Louisville, Kentucky, in a small town called Mount Washington, Kentucky. I am a technology integration specialist for um, levels K through 12 at our local Christian Academy school system. We have four campuses, three of which are in Louisville, and one of which is in um, just across the river in New Albany, Indiana. So I've been a tech coach for a total of 11 years, and this is actually my first year at the Christian Academy school system. 
Well, thank you guys for being here. And I also, one more time, want to give a big shout out to everybody who's listening. You can, of course, find us over on Apple Podcasts, on Google Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, all of the great places where you find your podcast today. Just check out everything over at askthetechcoach.com. We've got all the links. And again, please check us out and share us with your friends. Now, guys, I want to talk to you guys a little bit about the season that we just had and the season that's coming up. It is, of course, conference season. We are looking forward to the Great conferences coming up. Of course, ISTE is in Philadelphia, and we all just were in my, uh, I was going to say Miami. Miami's next year, but we were all just in Orlando for FETC. Claudia, what did you think about the uh, the big conference in Florida? So this was my first time attending FETC, and so it was a nice um, nice trip yeah, going to Orlando there. Um, I was only there for two days, so I only got to see uh, part of it, but um, very large compared to our uh, local conference here in Texas, which we just had a couple weeks back. Um, so uh, it was great getting to connect with people that I see on social media and uh, getting to see them in person and just to really see how, um, you know, different states, diff- the people that teach in different states, just kind of how they uh, how they work, you know, uh, just get to know them and kind of what what's happening in their state and talking with them with, basically, we all, we all deal with the same things. Uh, we all teach, we all work with students, we work with teachers. So it's ba- it's really not much difference. It's just we're in a different area. So that's kind of pretty much what I learned. <laughs> I, I, I want to echo that. It was great to see everybody. I love going around and seeing the people that, you know, usually are just little Twitter squares or little Facebook icons on your screen. Susan, what did you think of the conference? Oh, I was so excited to get to go. Having been to ISTE um, several times, this was my second trip to FETC. So just those, uh, like Claudio said, those conversations with people just walking down the hall or after a session in the vendor hall, just being able to talk about how you do some, some things. I was fortunate to attend um, the coffee EDU session and um, just being able to have a quick conversation about how do you do this? How do you manage your learning management system? Those types of conversations are so huge and it was just awesome. It is amazing to go through and just see all the different philosophies of education that's there. Susan, when you go to these conferences, what do you look for? I mean, I know it's easy to say the coffee EDUs are great. The stuff in the hallway is great. But what kind of sessions as a tech coach do you look for to bring something new and innovative back to your school district? Well, I always think it's very important to have a focus before you go because these conferences get to be huge, even for experienced tech coaches. So for me this year, um, I focused on curation of resources. That's one thing I'm focused on with my coworker. Um, we're actually getting ready to present on um, curating resources at our Kentucky Society for Technology and Education KISTE conference in March. So we're collecting ideas and um, trying to get different presenters' perspectives on curation, you know, with the onset of um, the Wakelet extension and so many things like that. Um, figuring out what's important and how to teach teachers and students that. And um, again, just things to encourage student engagement and enhancing lesson planning was a big thing that I focused on. And then um, in the past, most recently last year, personalized learning, um, you know, creating personal learning paths for students have been things I've focused on in the past. 
Now, one of the things that I was very excited to see is that we are moving towards virtual reality, augmented reality. And Claudio, I noticed that you were uh, you were eyeing up some of those booths. Where were you uh, located mostly when it came to learning about AR VR? What is exciting and new these days? So one of the um, in, in both conferences, so we FETC and then our local one we just had here in Texas. So one of the things I was looking for is just um, getting into really understanding what AR VR is and the resources that are out there and how you can leverage that technology, uh, not with, with students and also uh, with teachers, you know, how you can create lessons, integrate that, um, that technology and really bring out what, what you can do in the classroom. You're doing a science lesson. Um, you're really like bringing the students, bringing up a heart, like just right here, beating in front of you. Uh, dissect it, looking at it, uh, bringing those real world experiences that you probably can't take kids, you know, into a hospital and look at a heart, but you can bring it into the classroom and look at it. Uh, finding ways that, that you can create that kind of content is kind of one of those things that I was looking at. Um, think ways to, to tools that you can use to, uh, to create content. That's kind of one of the other, one of my other passions is just really talking about create creativity, um, now, t talk to me a little bit about that, because we, we, last time we had you on, we were talking a little bit about the Adobe Spark apps, and that is all about creativity. But it, most importantly, it's about free creativity. What have you been doing lately with the Adobe Spark apps? Well, well lately, I've been, I mean, I've been just sharing with folks how they can uh, really tell stories with those three uh, apps. So, so Adobe Spark Post, you can create graphics, so Adobe Spark Video. Uh, create little short snippet videos and then spark page you can create little web pages so i really uh share with teachers like this is a great tool that you can use to tell your story and help your students uh being able to tell their story in in ways that you know normally we say hey i want you to write an essay well instead of having them write an essay it's like well if you want to make a video tell us about yourself do a video write a little do a little web page make some graphics tell your stories in little images and little uh sequences of of events I, I've been starting to use them in my classrooms with my teachers, and, and I've been finding that, that it's easy to use. Uh, Susan, have you tried the uh, Adobe Spark uh, applications yet? Yes. Um, we have elementary students at our school um, doing uh, country, um, researching a different country. So they're using Adobe Spark video to present that. And our high school English classes are currently doing a big uh, website on Shakespeare. So they're using the Adobe Spark page. Um, to create their Shakespeare research and put hey, it in different categories. Hey, Susan, a question for you. So the students, the, the high school students, um, when they're creating their, uh, you said they're creating their uh, the videos or was it the pages? Um, um, are, the high school students are doing the pages the on pages. Shakespeare. So are they, um, one of the great things about the, the pages that is to integrate what you create in, in, in a spark post in a graphic and a video and, and, and drop them in, which is, uh, I've seen many of the uh, high school teachers doing that and creating the pages and they're like, hey, make the video so you can awesome. put it right in your page. So, um, Yes, meld it all together, definitely. Yeah. That's pretty awesome. I haven't tried that stuff yet. I, I we're, we're yeah. we've been we've been using a lot of Google sites in our school district. I haven't actually had a chance to try out the Spark pages. Um, are they comparable or what, what would you use a Spark page for versus maybe doing a Google site page versus some other kind of online thing? So for me, a, a Spark page is a one pager. Uh, it's just like I'm going to create this. Uh, I went on a field trip 
Here's a one page about it. So uh, a Google site, you're basically have you're creating a whole you know site. You have links, sub uh, sub links. With Spark page, is basically a single page. Uh, you're not able to create a menu on it. Uh, you know, so menu it, of is buttons. It, is it a page or a poster? It, it's a page. Okay. And I would echo what Claudio said, you know, instead of writing that research paper, that page is just um, a great way to present that, you know, you can have the information, the text and the images and or video that goes along with it. Uh, we, it's certainly something that we haven't talked about a lot here on TeacherCast. If you guys are out there and you are an expert in all the Adobe Spark apps, please let us know. We would love to have you on. Of course, you can find us over on Twitter at TeacherCast or send me a voicemail over at TeacherCast.net slash voicemail. I would love to have you on and maybe we could do a show together on all the Adobe Spark apps. You know, getting back into the conferences here, one of the things that we always ask each other is, are you presenting? Are you presenting? Did you present this year? How many things are you presenting? And, and you know, with that being said, the question that always comes up, how? How do you get to present at these big conferences? Um, you know, it, it RFP season or request for proposals for ISTE is usually in the fall. Um, FETC is coming up soon. It's in the next month or so. They're going to oh, be wow. doing RFPs for that. Yeah. And, you know, it's we, we always have this. So, Claudio, let me start with you. When when I open up your computer, your Google Drive, your mic, whatever you use, how do you organize all of your names descriptions things like that like what is your organizational structure let's just start with that question we, there's a lot of things in here i want to unpack with this but but what's your organizational structure so that way you can say oh isti's coming up i've got here's a suitcase full of different things that i can pick from well that's a great great question before um i had everything just thrown in you know i'm using google google drive i had everything thrown in there but what i've started to do in fact about two years ago is started creating i have a folder called conference presentations and within that folder i have you know ist FETC, tcea uh, adobe uh, little short small conferences local conferences and uh so basically I have all those folders. I'll drop in whatever content I'm using in the sessions, but I have one file, one document that I call conference proposals. And every, every conference that I presented at all those little, uh, cause they're always asking you for a short description, uh, a detailed description. What are the, what are the, uh, the standards you're going to hit? So what I've done is I basically started copying all those, those uh, topics and so here's like, I'm presenting on Adobe Spark, creativity with Adobe Spark. And then here's a description. And then here are the standards. So then I'm presenting on Adobe Rush. Well, I basically have the same format. Um, I'm not copying the same words, but basically I, I'll have it set up. And when a conference comes up, like uh, IST or anything, I was like, well, let me, this one, I, it was accepted last year. I'm going to go ahead and submit it again. And uh a lot of times people say, Hey, this is a great one. You need, you need to submit it and it'll, it'll get in. So, um, that one, it seems to be one of the, one of the ones that, uh, seems to always get picked because people love that Adobe spark. So one of the questions that, that comes to me a lot is, 
if you're pre- putting in a proposal for an ISTE and FETC, like the big conferences out there, do you do anything different for those than you would do smaller or local regional conferences? Meaning, okay, take your Adobe Spark uh, presentation. Would you name that or call that or change the description for ISTE than you would a smaller regional conference? And why? No, actually, I wouldn't. I, I don't. So uh, the ISTE proposals are probably the most detailed ones out of all the other ones. So what I've done is I've taken whatever I've submitted for ISTE, and that's kind of like the main the main one. And I'll take that and use it in the other smaller conferences I present it because uh, they don't seem to ask a lot of more deep, a lot of details. Like, for example, I want the outline of your presentation. Well, OK, it's, I submit it for ISTE. Uh, TCA or FTC does not, I don't recall asking for a detailed outline. So in that sense, I'm not putting the same things because some of them are asking for more than others. Um, um, that kind of answers your question on, on that or not. No, but. that does. I mean, I, I, there's a lot of conferences that are up here in New Jersey, New York, Connecticut okay. area. And, and I find a lot of times I'll do the same proposal for many conferences, but I'll change the name slightly. And once I find this, you know, whatever the combination of words that gets the biggest audience, that's what I put in for, for ISTE. Yeah. So you're kind of tweaking definitely. things as you go. And, and I and I get that idea from you know, just watching a lot of comics, right? Like they're just going from these small clubs to small clubs, moving things around. And then finally, when they get their set together, that's when they go on HBO. Susan, that's- do you have any tips and tricks? Like what, what's your secret for putting in proposals and and, and doing these kinds of things? Um, yeah, a lot of what Claudio said and just um, knowing what the trends are and what the teachers, even in your own district, are needing, because usually that's a small sampling of what the entire state needs or what what, they're, what the trend is nationally. So definitely putting a hook in there at the beginning to get them to want to come, whether it be the title or whether it be that first line of the description to um, let them know, hey, I want to be engaged in that topic. You know, um, whether it be your state conference. I mean, I was the president of our KISTI organization a few years ago, so I w- had to lead the conference. And so I'm used to being one of the ones the last few years to read those proposals. So, you know, we as a board in planning the conference, you know, we're looking for those hooks and what's going to engage those teachers under what the trends are currently. Now, do you find that there's a difference between conference proposals and doing PD in your school? And I know, for instance, one of my favorite sessions is creative ways of using Google Slides. Well, I tried that in my district and nobody wanted it. But as soon as I called the session Google Slides for Beginners or Google Slides for for Advanced, then I got people coming to it. And I'm going, is that my district? Is that the way that I put things? Is that because the average teacher in a school district is not the ISTE crowd? And so you don't have to wow them with, you know. 35 reasons why you, like, you, you know, Adobe Spark Family Feud or, you know, some of those kind of titles, right? Like, like I, you- I, I think, I think I would agree yes. that in my, in like in my district is they're, they're more like using Adobe Spark in a science class. Yes. That's, that's make like, it specific to what yeah. they're going to do and to get that like, population yeah, that you want. I totally agree. As if we, we've done like, Learn how to do, you know, learn how to create a YouTube channel or just here, create videos. But if, if it's not in context, if, if like teachers need to have it in, and what we've noticed, they want it in context. They want it to be relevant. So like, how am I going to use it? I'm a science teacher. 
you know, and the hard part is you have like science teachers, math teachers, reading teachers all together sometimes like, well, I have to kind of make it, you know, uh, at some point it has to be kind of level and then maybe have breakouts. But if I get to just be with science teachers then I can say using, uh, you know, Adobe Spark within the science class. Oh, OK. How can I do it in the science class or in language arts? I think that's a different I, it, I do agree that in the difference in a local setting as far as like a conference settings like. Oh, you know, creativity with Adobe Spark. Oh, you know, I think people that go to conferences, they kind of, you know, I like that. I want to see that local. And I think on your level, relevancy is the key word. Whether we're planning for a national conference, you have that crowd that attends. Or whether we're back at our school district, we have just our normal classroom teachers who want to learn how to do something that will be relevant to them. So relevancy, definitely. Hey, no. Susan, quick question. Oh, sorry, uh, Jeff, but quick question. So um, on the, uh, I've, no, I've noticed like sometimes the titles for, I'm, and I'll, I'll talk about conferences. Um, do you tend to see those fancy or kind of, hey, uh, getting Google-licious with Google, do you see those as being the, uh, the ones that seem to get picked more or uh, not as as I guess trying to think of what as creative titles or, or catchy titles. I mean, it seems that's been the trend the last couple of years. So it tends to be, but then whoever the board is or the panel is who is accepting those proposals, you know, we hope, and in my own experience doing that, you've read the description and again, back to relevancy. You hope that panel has read it to make it relevant to the crowd that's going to be attending. I like that. Yeah, that, I, I, I would hope so, too. <laughs> now, you might be out there saying, I am a tech coach and I would love to try and put a proposal in for ISTE or for FETC or for my local state conference. And I'm looking for help with that. And that is why I can't recommend enough going over to teacher, teachercast.net slash mastermind and checking out our tech coach mastermind part of the TeacherCast Tech Coaches Network. We have some great stuff coming up for you guys over the next couple of weeks, of course, by joining our mastermind mind you guys have the opportunity of coming to our two mastermind group meetings each and every month getting one-to-one coachings with us where we're going to help you guys out with the, with your tech coaching solve some of the problems that you guys might be having and of course we also offer all of our free lesson plans our free templates and so much more right now we are still offering our february discounts our two-month promo six-month promo and our 12-month promo you guys can actually save up to $150 on our mastermind by going over to teachercast.net slash mastermind today and learning how you guys can invest in your future by investing in yourself. Now, guys, I want to bring up another topic here, which is really, really important because as Claudio had mentioned earlier, it is getting warmer. It's up to 34 degrees now in Texas. <laughs> and I know a lot of school districts kind of have this idea that once the school year starts on the downside, maybe professional development isn't as needed. You know, once we do that January PD, maybe PD isn't what we need. Maybe we should be focusing more on the AP tests, on the finals, all those different things what is a tech coach to do so susan i want to kind of bring you into this because you've been doing the tech coach game for a while now what things should tech coaches keep in mind as the school year is winding down maybe as it's harder 
for a tech coach to get into a classroom because the AP teacher's going crazy, because it is getting yes. into final exams times. What are some of the things that tech coaches can be keeping in mind or maybe have in their back pocket as, you know, as teachers might not be thinking about doing tech coachy kind of things? Well, what you brought up is totally huge. Be aware always of the time of year and know your teachers and have respect for them for the time of year that it is. So, you know, in the past, we, we've adjusted our professional development to be a lot of face-to-face -face at the beginning of the year around through November. And then when you're coming back from Christmas break, it's, as you said, it's starting to dwindle. So you adjust <clears throat> it in doing some job embedded PD where you're in the classroom and then you're going to meet again outside of the classroom to get those PD or CEU credits, whatever your district calls them to get them in um, with approval from the principal or you're doing online PD through your learning management system. So adjusting and being respectful of those teachers in the time of year. Now you've been just like Claudio successful doing the online modules, right? Things that yes. teachers can do on their own time. Tell us yes. a little bit about that. Cause we, we talked a lot about that last week in episode number 38 about how to create, where to create, give us a little bit of your tips on creating the online modules for the teachers. Well, I really um, started being successful at it in my former district. Um, last year, my coworkers and I, um, Several teachers, again, would have conflicts of getting there this time of year. So we would come up with something, again, relevant to them, what they're doing in their classroom. And whether it be, you know, learning how to use the insert learning extension. You know, we would sit with them for 30 to 45 minutes, show them, get them loaded on the insert learning extension, show them how to set up a lesson. And that would be an hour of professional development. And then they would have to actually plan a lesson and teach it. Um, using whatever tool or um, topic that we taught them about. And then they would have to write a reflection and turn it into both myself and their principal to get the credit for it. So that was successful last year. And then in my new district, we actually have, um, both, we are a Google district, but we also have Canvas as our learning management system. So my coworker and I have worked um, um, hard. We're both new tech integrators to the school system. So we've worked hard in putting lots and lots of modules on various ed tech topics on Canvas for them to pull and complete. Now you've got a few different places where people can find things, right? You've got Canvas, you've got Google, everything. You've yes. also got a YouTube channel. How do you know where the best place to build or to store or to promote or, or how, what is the process here? A teacher wants to learn something. Where do they go? Yeah, well, I tend to be one of those tech coaches who when a teacher asks me a question, I try to make a, if it's feasible, try to make a screencast tutorial of it using Screencastify or Screencast-O-Matic, what have you. And I put that on my own YouTube channel. So I have it there. So we use those and my coworker um, and I share, We she has it too. And we put those on there. I'm an elementary person. She's a high school person. So we divide it up that way. And we use those for our Canvas modules and our Google Classroom module tutorials. And then also those that YouTube channel is also one of those things where I can just pull from, hey, a teacher emails me or texts me a question. I can pull that YouTube video that I made weeks ago on this very topic. And I don't have to sit there and type out a bunch of steps for them to follow on how do I do whatever. Now, Claudio, I'm reading over our show notes here. It seems like you like to do online stuff because you can be in your pajamas. Am I reading this right? 
<laughs> not so much that I can that I can be in my pajamas, but teachers tend to. Um, and, and from experience, um, this past uh, December, I was had the opportunity to participate in the Ditch Summit, and basically it was just an online uh, online classes and on demand. So basically, teachers uh, signed up, and they every day one video was released, but they would watch whatever they want to watch, and and. From, and this was all over the country. So people that I got to see at conferences say, "Hey, I saw your 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 video, and I really enjoyed it." I said, "Oh, cool. You know, what, what did you like about it?" Well, I liked that I can watch it anytime because many people will watch it. You know, when all their kids go to bed and it's like midnight, I'm like, "I have time right now to watch this video." Um, so locally in my district, um, I think that kind of the trend that we're going to be moving towards, um, just because the teachers are, are seem to be very swamped in. Uh, you know, they're, they're at school. Uh, they have a meeting after school and then trying to get them to come to our building. Um, and it's just they're tired. They're falling asleep. So one of the things we're going to focus on this coming uh, summer is creating content and basically having kind of on demand. Uh, so, you know, like I uh, want to learn how to do this in your science classroom and then just have different uh, and obviously working with curriculum folks. I don't we don't know myself. I don't know all the content, but I can say, hey, uh, you're doing this. Okay. Here's a tool that we can do. So these are different tools that you can use in the science classroom. And then basically here's how you, you do it within science. Um, so that's kind of what we're focusing on this coming school year. Now, uh, I noticed that you're, you're using WordPress to do this. No, i those were just some of the, uh, the different, um, I, I'm going to say, uh, applications I've seen around. I've, we're using Google Classroom okay. uh, to do it. Um, I've seen people use Teachable. And so what we're doing is we're putting our videos on YouTube. That uh, way we can just easily put them into Google Classroom. And um, we used to use this. Uh, well, actually, we have this other service that we're maybe letting go. So this is uh, Google Classroom is free. YouTube is free. And, and uh, why not use something that's available and free? Hopefully in the future we'll get an LMS Um but right now we're going to be focusing on using Google Classroom to uh, deliver the the lessons. You know, it, it sounds great, right? Like we can take the learning wherever we want to. We create it. The the, the teachers can consume it. Um, it doesn't need to be anything. Now, let's take a look at some of the ifs and ands on this, right? If we say that a teacher can consume this content wherever they are, whenever they are, is there any pushback from your district that says, we shouldn't have to be taking this stuff while we're at home. We should be given time during the school day. Is there any, anything that tech coaches should be thinking? Because it's easy for tech coaches, right, to build all this stuff. But then you kind of have pushback saying, you shouldn't be expecting us to do this at 7 o'clock at night. I, I've not seen any pushback. I've heard any pushback. But um, the fact I've heard people say, we would do it this way. We would. I'm, you know, uh, Folks, different individuals say. Now, it's not. This is anecdotal, obviously, but people say I would. I would actually prefer to do it from home than do it at school. Because I'm teaching. When do I? I don't have time in the day to to watch something because I'm teaching a lesson, and then I have my conference time, and it's being taken up with a, with a meeting. So, um, folks will be like, I would. I would do it at home. So, I've anecdotally, folk teachers have said it, um, but as a whole, I don't know if that's going to happen. Now, now, Susan, yeah. as, as far as creating these things, what do you find is the best way to 
really figure out if the teachers are doing this, right? Because, you know, we, we've all done those. I'm winking at you here. We've all done those yes. bloodborne pathogen videos where you just kind of put it on the side, maybe change exactly. the tab a little bit. And you're really not paying attention to it. But but give me credit or give me CEUs or, you know, give me the PD hours. How do we make sure that our that what we're doing is really being learned? Is Is it? truly just show up to the teacher's classroom and then figure out if they're getting the skill or what advice do you have for anybody that's looking to start to build these things? Well, I think with the trend of online professional development having evolved over the last few years, the uh, way of keeping up with it is definitely still in the evolvement mode, you know, where we've talked at my, my new district this year of, you know, how do we keep track of that? You know, okay, how do you know if they did it? You know, something I've been successful at in the past is just having them fill out the Google form with one field in there as a some kind of reflection and then using the autocrat add-on to print them out a certificate and they have that. Um, at the present moment, you know, we're still looking for the best way of doing that. You know, for me right now, it's just that reflection. And then I think as a tech coach, it's important on our part to provide the follow-up anyway. We shouldn't just give them the training, whether it be face-to-face -face or online, and just turn them loose and expect them to perform. I think part of our job as a tech coach, just like any sports coach, is to follow up and make sure that they um, are still uh, retaining that skill. Now, how easy is it to do things on Canvas or an LMS versus Google Classroom? Are, are, is it one and the same? Is it just two versions of the same kind of a thing? Do you find with the LMS you might be able to build more or less? Or Well, for me, currently, it's um, one and the same because we're mainly Google Classroom at our elementary level and we use Canvas at our middle and high school level. But I believe with the way some of these LMSs are evolving, you know, as they're adding tracking modules and things like that, I think, you know, that could definitely make things easier as we move forward in the future with tracking professional development. Claudia, what do you have uh, any experience with all this stuff or what have you heard about you well, know, as far as the online modules? Because I agree there's there's a difference, but yeah. you can still get the same point across. I think, well, I, I know that we've been investigating LMSs, um, looking into several. I know that our school, we have many teachers that are using Schoology um, in their classroom themselves, the free version. But as far as a district, uh, I think one of the advantages that I've, uh, in researching all the different LMSs is, is uh, the integration of student information system and talking with our, um, you know, like the data, the, the teachers' accounts and all that. Uh, whereas Google Classroom, I've heard there's a way to, to do it, but it's I've, I've talked to several other uh, districts that have tried it and have it's been a, a bit tricky to do it. So we, we haven't done it ourselves um, as far as communicating back and forth between uh, like the student information system and uh, where we have our other teacher information. So I'm saying all that because uh, I think it would make it easy as far as tracking uh, because then it could somehow communicate back to their – account saying you know they they are completing their their hours or whatever um so we're kind of in the stages of kind of looking through different ones um but i think that that autocrat feature is just it's i've seen it used and that's that's a pretty fancy pretty slick tool there and it's free too which is great what's your thoughts on badging you know i've i've i think the trend is kind of fading away um honestly um, in the last, 
this year and last year, the conferences that I've attended kind of, there's hasn't been many badging sessions. And I know that we were at one point talking about doing badging and it just kind of, I don't know. It's, it just kind of seemed to slow down a bit. I don't know if there's still people doing it. I, partly maybe just, it didn't work for us. Um, it's Does hard it matter to, if what the system is. I mean, it's easy. I, I don't know. Is it easy to do badging using Autocrat if you're doing a Google-based system, and you know, it, or to use a Schoology or a Canvas where everything's just built into the LMS, where you take everything and boom, there's your micro credential because it's already built into the LMS. I don't know. I, I, I'm. I would say in Google, maybe with Autocrat, be easy. I don't know about the other. LMS tools. Yeah, in my my it, own experience right now, Autocrat would be the way to go if you're going to do badging. Um, you know, like Claudio said, uh, hopefully these LMSs will you know be listening to us if they're out there listening. You know, as a tech coach, uh, as a tech coach, you know, hear our plea. You know, add some of this stuff so we can have some tracking mechanisms um, to definitely encourage our teachers this direction. You know, it's an interesting topic here. We've been talking a lot over the last couple of months over things like badging, and, and we're going to be diving a lot over the next few weeks into how to bring a learning management system into your school, how to set it up, how to deal with it. We're going to be having our friends from Schoology come on over the next few weeks and do some shows together on how to really build a solid professional development course. But we want to hear from you guys. Of course, we do our tech coach roundtables at the end of every single month. And much like Susan and Claudio, if you guys are interested in being a guest on the show and sharing a little bit of your passions for professional development, we would love to hear from you guys. You can, of course, find us on Twitter at AskTheTechCoach. Leave us a voice message over at TeacherCast.net slash voicemail. Or email us at feedback at teachercast.net. If you have any questions, any topics you'd like us to cover, or if you'd like to be on as a guest, we would love to learn from you guys and love to have you guys on the show. Now, the last topic of the day. A few weeks ago, we launched our brand new iBook, 40 Chrome extensions that every tech coach needs to know. The things that you must have up on your little Chrome extension toolbar, things that when a teacher says, hey, how does this work? I bet you there's a Chrome extension for it. I'm going to put my uh, my co-hosts tonight on the spot. We want to go through some of our favorite Chrome extensions. Of course, we're going to put the link to get our book over on our show notes page. This is episode number 39 over at askthetechcoach.com. And we would love to have you guys download that book and check it out today. We've got a lot of great things on there. But I will do ladies first. Susan, what is your first and the, the one... That, that I'm stranded at ISTE with nobody else around. What's your favorite Chrome extension to talk about? Well, if I had to survive, I could not survive without Screencastify from day oh, to day. I use it one. multiple times a week, if not every day. And what uh, uh, what do you use it for? It's easy to say I use it for screencasting, right? What, it, what, do, you, do you have anything that you like to use it for or ways to show off it to your teachers or any of those little special things about it? Well, I mean, it's one of my main things I definitely show off to teachers besides doing my own tutorial videos. But most recently, I've actually showed it to a group of our fourth graders hmm. um, in their reading classes. They are doing book clubs um, in their guided reading groups. They formed little book clubs um, by genre and reading level and such things as that. So they will be using Screencastify as a group to report on their book that they're reading so they'll be making their own video using the web cam um, mode of screencastify 
I, I love using Screencastify with my students. I love seeing how crazy and, and how creative they can be with that. Um, and, and I would recommend get your kids making screencasts, get them making videos, yes. get them making podcasts, all that great stuff. Um, you know, we've been talking about podcastingwithstudents.com is a new great place to go to learn how to do all these different things. Um, but Claudio, you've got a Chrome extension starting off today that I love. I'm a paid subscriber of this thing. Uh, but I, I got to tell you, I'm surprised that you're having it on here as a tech coach recommendation. But I'll well, let you introduce. What, what is our first Chrome extension today that we're going to well, talk about? Well, it was just one of my It's just one of the favorite ones that i like to use it's called TubeBuddy. it's it's basically uh like you said it's a paid uh subscription for um youtubers it's it's just a great tool to help manage um and really to uh anal analyze market your youtube channel so if you are into youtube that's a, a great uh extension to have again it's a, it's a subscription based one but um well worth it uh, my other one that I like using, love using, remote for slides. Mm. Um, especially when you're presenting with uh, Google Slides, turn on the add that extension, and then uh, there's a it sets up like a little uh, link. You can use your phone to basically control your your slides. Now, how does that work? Is that Bluetooth? Is that Wi-Fi? Is that connecting through a third? How does that work? I think it's I think it's Wi-Fi, if I'm not mistaken. So, um, but it works Chromebook, MacBook, desktop, anything. It works for that. Yeah, I'm using. I use it with my MacBook. Um, I'm sure it's. I haven't tried it with a Chromebook, but I would say it should work with a Chromebook. Um, another one that I have enjoy is Share to Google Classroom. Uh, that one's a great little extension. So, if you are on a web page that you would like to share with your students, in fact, you can set it up, click on it, and basically immediately share with your students a a page a link um, you can share it set it up and have it sent to the classroom itself but uh, really cool little extension and then uh, the next one that I have I'm sharing this one because for some reason when you run Chrome on a Mac it seems to eat up a lot of energy a lot of RAM a lot of power from the computer so the great suspender what it does it suspends basically your your tabs that you're not on so basically kind of puts them to sleep kind of deactivates them so it's not using up uh your ram in the back end so until you click on it and say oh i, I want this uh tab turned on and then it'll basically kind of refresh and then you're able to do whatever you need to do on that tab and then all the other ones kind of kind of go to sleep so you don't have to close the tabs I got to try that one. That sounds like a, a pretty handy one, especially if you're uh, working with some older machines. Yes. Yeah. Now, Susan, you've got a few more here. What What is Session Buddy? A Session Buddy is an extension that will say essentially save your session of tabs that you have open. So say I'm working on something um, on Friday of the end of the week. And I close all my tabs, shut down my computer for the weekend, and I want to come back to that same session, all those same tabs to be open. Session Buddy allows me to do that. And it'll save back, I know, at least three days, maybe hmm. more. Um, so it will let you go back to your open tab session um, several days prior. I, I got to try that. Usually when I have a bunch of tabs open, I do the right-click, save all of them into bookmark folders. Yeah. yeah. This seems like you can do a lot more than that. Yeah, Session Buddy allows you to, you know, keep t 
tabs does on it. Tabs Susan, on your does tabs. It, Susan, does it ask you like to log into your account in order to access it, or does it automatically yes. save it? Yes, you okay. want to go in with your Google Chrome profile. Yes. Okay. And then the last one is one that I am also a paid member for. What's your last one here, Susan? My last one is Boomerang for Gmail. Um, the district, uh, in fact, the district that I just left and the district that I just joined um, this year um, had both recently gone to Gmail. And then one of the big questions, especially from our office staff and then myself as a tech coach was like, well, back in Microsoft Outlook, we could schedule an email to be sent later. So in researching, Boomerang was what came to the forefront for me, because even as a tech coach, you know, I'll get a tech tips newsletter ready, but I may not want to send it out till Monday afternoon. So Boomerang allows me to go ahead and get that all um, formatted and set up in my Gmail, um, and then I can send it later. And you get to pick when you want to send it. You can customize it all kinds of different ways. So very efficient. We have some great Chrome extensions here. I got to tell you, the one that I wanted to bring up this week is one that every teacher should have, especially if they're running smart boards, smart TVs, Promethean boards, all that great stuff. And that is Google Docs Quick Create Plus. Now, um, I know this some, this one sometimes gets shadowed by that new feature where I think you can go to, oh, help me here. Is it docs.com slash new or something like that? And you can create all these things. That's nice, but who has the time to remember all of those URLs? With Google Docs Quick Create Plus, um, it is a simple Chrome extension that when you click on it up on the top, it says, I want to create a new document, sheet, slides, drawings, forms, scripts, but then it also gives you a link to the template gallery. So in other words, if you're one of those people that's teaching, 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 and you 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 want to start a brand new Google form or drawing, you just click on one button and it really is two finger access to, to opening up a doc. You don't have to even type anything. It's, uh, it's pretty cool and it's very, very lightweight and I've never had any problems with it. But I got to tell you, my younger teachers, the you know, kindergarten, first and second, love this because within a few clicks, they can just click on wow. a brand new Google slide and it automatically opens now i love that one that's that's usually the big demo slam of the day so that is that is amazing yeah that, that I, I learned something new just now that's awesome i, I just added it my, my <laughs> the only thing i wish it would do is to do sites because our school is very big on Google Sites, and we use Google Sites for everything. Um, and, and maybe, maybe if I had my wish, maybe my maps, right? Like it's the other, it's the other few ends that are in there. But, but really, it's everything that's in there is fantastic. So, uh, Google Docs Quick Create Plus. But that's not everything, guys. We want to hear what your favorite Chrome extensions are. Check us out over at Ask the Tech Coach. Check us out over on episode number thirty-nine, and download our new iBook or eBook or EPUB, whatever they're called it these days 40 chrome extensions that every tech coach must know about uh it is free and you can download it today over at askthetechcoach.com guys we are almost out of time today but before we go i want to say thank you so much to susan and claudio uh, for being here on our guest and we want you guys to be a part of our panel next month we of course record at the end of every single month and we would love to include you. Um, Susan, let's start with you. Where can we find out about the great things that are happening in your neck of the woods? Share with us your socials, your websites, and all that great stuff. You can find me on Twitter at SV314DWS. And I blog at Tech Imaginations, which is techimaginations.net. I also have a YouTube channel, which is the same as my Twitter account at SV314DWS. 
And we'll have all the links to that in our show notes. My friend, Claudio Zavala Jr., where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram, both of them at Claudio Zavala Jr. And uh, my website, which I'll have blogging and a bunch of other resources, is IamClaudius.com. And then YouTube.com forward slash IamClaudius. And, of course, check out all the great links. We will have that over there on episode number 39. And, of course, you can find out more information about this podcast going to AskTheTechCoach.com. We have almost, almost hit the 40 mark. We're going to be doing episode number 40 next week, where we would love to have you guys join us. We launch our shows every single Monday at 6 o'clock Eastern, and we make sure that we have only the best in education for you guys. There's, of course, several great ways that you can reach out and be a part of this and all of the shows in the TeacherCast Educational Network. You can find us on Twitter at TeacherCast. Leave us a voice message over at TeacherCast.net slash voicemail. Email us at feedback at TeacherCast.net. And please, if you guys feel the need, take a moment today. Go over to Apple Podcasts. Leave us a nice little ratings. Leave us a review. We are certainly looking to put this stuff together. This show can be found on our main feed which is teachercast.net slash iTunes, or you can, of course, search for Ask the Tech Coach. We have a dedicated feed just for this show. Also, don't forget that we're adding our $150 discount this week on our Tech Coach Mastermind by going over to teachercast.net slash mastermind. We would love to have you join us. Um, we've got some great tech coaches in the group, and we are all always doing some amazing things with our Mastermind members. So on behalf of Susan and Claudio, and Nick, and behalf on everybody here in the TeacherCast Educational Network, my name is Jeff Bradbury, reminding you to keep up the great work in your classroom and continue sharing your passions with your students. <laughs>